Welcome to the Equestrian Zen Podcast. I'm Rachel Steen, and I'm here at the new Balance Point Equestrian Learning Center in Monroe, North Carolina. Just last week, we had a webinar on why isn't this working? Common problems people encounter when switching from traditional training or natural horsemanship training to positive reinforcement and clicker training, as well as the solutions. This was a hour and a half webinar, and to cut it into pieces more suitable for a podcast, we're going to be having about 15 minutes at a time uh, so that you can get a feel for the questions and the answers, digest them, and then listen to the next set as you're ready. So I hope you'll enjoy. Today we're talking about uh, why isn't this working, common issues and solutions for overcoming training challenges while using positive reinforcement. One of the problems that people have is when your equine tries to do everything you've worked on all at once. I have had a dog who, before I got uh, the cues on, that I would tell her to do, you know, sit, and she would lay down, roll over, crawl, and then try sit. I mean, she would just go through everything. And our, our equines often do this as well if we don't have our cues well established and if we haven't worked hard on a default attention behavior of them standing still beside us we we have to reinforce that most importantly so that they know when in doubt just stand still it's okay so if your equine tries everything at once they might be overly excited. They might be very enthusiastic that day. And they're like, well, if I do this, this, and this, maybe I will get even more rewards. So again, reinforcing for a default attention behavior, reinforcing them for standing still, when in doubt, stand still, and feeding them for that between checking that we have their behaviors on cue and checking that our cues are easy for our learner to differentiate and understand the difference between a cue versus when we're just talking with someone else or moving our hands around. So sometimes people try to make hand cues for their animals and sometimes those hand cues can look very similar so we want to just double check we can video the session and go back and look and see is there a sign that our animals are recognizing the cue and if there's not but they're reacting to something else we can try to incorporate that into our cue or we can just try to proof our cue and check that they understand again, what it is that we're asking for and when we're asking for it. Cues are, are always a challenge. Something else that people encounter when they switch from 
traditional training or natural horsemanship training to positive reinforcement is that they'll go through a phase where their equine no longer does the things that they used to do on command. One of the things that people complain about is maybe their horse doesn't lead anymore. Usually it's their horse doesn't turn anymore. And those are things where we have to make sure that we practice reinforcing the things that weren't initially taught with positive reinforcement because you know learners will want to offer behaviors that pay well they'll want to do those behaviors i had a instance where i had a horse that i was retraining and working with students and so we did a ton of walk on and halt but the kids weren't practicing reinforcing for turns so the horse who had been very good about being ridden before and turning, whenever the kids asked for her to turn, she would just stop because she would get paid for stopping. And so we had to go back through and have the kids start reinforcing on the ground for turns so that that became a usable part of the horse's new repertoire. Behaviors that are taught with negative reinforcement are not associated with anything good. So the animals will try to focus and offer behaviors that do have a strong reinforcement history. So when things are starting to not work, we need to take a look at what has been reinforced. Common problem right now in the spring is that People are finding their equines won't do anything but eat grass. So we need to make sure that our animals have 24-7 forage and that you have given them an alfalfa or timothy slurry before you get them out so that they have a full stomach and they're well hydrated. And give them about 15 minutes of grazing time before you try working them out in the yard. This will let them feel that they are not being kept from grazing. So they'll think, oh, it doesn't really matter if I work now because I had some grazing time before and I might get some again later. Also practicing head up, training head up in protected contact and away from the grass can and making sure that you reinforce it well with high value reinforcers can make sure that when you are out on grass, uh, you can get them unstuck easily. And there's also, you see equines that slobber and bolt their food when you're using food reinforcers for positive reinforcement. Often there are some dental issues that might be happening or again there could be ulcers so obviously to get away from ulcers we again want to make sure to have 24 7 forage for equines that slobber and bolt their food we don't want a chance choking having them choke with food reinforcers so we make sure to feed them soft food and if no one really enjoys to get truly slobbered on, so you can use a pan. And 
keep in mind that anytime there might be a lot of stress, there's probably some undiagnosed pain outside of the ulcers that are complicating things. So, you know, whenever we see some of these unwanted behaviors, there's often a physical component that we need to address. So equines paw quite a bit when they're frustrated, but they also paw when they're in pain. A recent study was showing that it's not boredom behavior that causes an equine to paw, that it's often they paw. The, the study was showing that horses that were worked, they were actually more likely to paw after a hard exercise session than hmm. before. So if it was boredom, then they, sh you know, most likely wouldn't have been bored after doing a, a hard exercise se session. But they're starting to try to correlate how that pawing affects to pain. With um, positive reinforcement and clicker training, we often see pawing as uh, horses that are frustrated where we may have our criteria maybe not be clear for them or we're not reinforcing fast enough or they don't like what we're offering them so it's not really a reinforcer. It could also be that they're having trouble chewing. So youngsters go through a stage where they lose their teeth and they get new teeth uh, erupting. So it can be that there's some swelling for teeth issues or for older horses that have some teeth issues. It could be that, again, eating is causing them some pain. If we feed them a lot of sugary treats, that can upset their stomach, again, causing ulcers. So we once again go to 24-7 forage, alfalfa or Timothy slurry before working with them. That gives them a little buffer in their stomach and treating them for ulcers and have them checked for unaddressed pain in their body and their mouth checked by a dental specialist. Then for equines who won't go back to their stall or pasture or leave the training area, even when they have food out there and they have friends and it looks so peaceful, but we often need to use higher value treats, give them a jackpot when we get them back to where they're living. If we haven't gotten them out in a while, they often don't wanna go back and be put up. So we need to try to make sure that we get them out and work with them at least three times a week, even if it's just for a few minutes. That will help them know that they don't have to stay out forever. You're coming back. You're going to work with them. It's going to be okay. And use part of your time on doing fun things as you go back to their living space. So if they like playing with a ball, roll the ball, do some targeting, anything that they like, put some platforms on your way back or put a platform near where they come out so that they can get paid for that before they go back in. 
and most importantly, make sure that they don't have to fight other animals for attention or food when they go back to their living area. So sometimes if they see there's like a mass of equines waiting for them, they really don't want to go back because they'll have to share their jackpot. So you want to make sure that they can go and be put up in an area away from everybody else. So just to kind of reiterate, to use positive reinforcement effectively, force-free, and safely, your animal needs to have their basic needs met. And there are five freedoms that are required for their needs to be met. And that's the freedom from hunger and thirst, freedom from discomfort, freedom from pain, injury, and disease, freedom from fear and distress, and freedom to behave normally by making sure that animals have enough space, proper facilities, and the company of other animals of their own kind to interact with. So if you go back through what we've talked about so far, you'll see how often when things are going wrong, it's because there is a problem in their living environment, in, in what they're dealing with day to day. I mean, obviously we can frustrate them with what we are doing, and we're gonna talk about that next, things people often do that causes their equines problems. But before we get there, I wanna just check in and see what you guys, your thoughts are. Um, I thought it was interesting because I think I, like many of us, have dealt with all, all or almost all of these issues. And for my horses, at least, using the right value of treats has helped almost all of them. In particular, the throwing all of the behaviors that you've ever worked on all at once is something that Gunther will still do if I start using treats that are too high value and he gets too excited and he, his brain shuts off and he's like, I'll just do it all at once. And I think that similarly, like having just a high rate of reinforcement with low value treats, I think can help with even some of the fear and aggression that we talked about too. For me, at least that's been kind of revolutionary. Great. Yeah, there were a couple of uh, things I made note of. You know, when you were saying that one of the, the aggression toward trainers and you said, do you all ever have this happen? Of course, we've all had it happen. But it just occurred to me that it happens very rarely now that our horses are uh, positive reinforced, trained and force free. Uh, it can happen, but it happens rarely because we always allow them to walk away, number one. So they don't feel like they need to get aggressive with us. And number two, there's always an other source of reinforcer food, whether it be grass, mm -hmm. hay, or a bucket of hay pellets, something that they can, that they don't feel threatened being without food. So that's really reduced a lot of that, the aggression uh, tendencies that, that we've seen and the other thing I was going to say was uh, I, you didn't mention anything about withholding reinforcers and that that can also cause angst and maybe aggression, food aggression. 
So we haven't talked about what the human uh, oh, has done. Okay. Uh, but that is a great point. Yes, withholding reinforcers. And we'll be talking about that next. I was trying to cover quite a few things yeah. that people, it's not necessarily how their training is, but that the environment or the lifestyle of the equine is messing things up. And, and that's often, you know, the first place that we want to start, but we will definitely be talking about withholding reinforcers and the frustration that can we cause. Robin? So my questions might be leading into what the human does. I was thinking about, I have had a, just a couple of them get kind of slobbery. And so I use that as a cue to me to back off that if they're starting to get foamy with their food, then we need to take a rest or we need to slow down. So I can use that for what I do to help make them more comfortable. So the other question that I had is really similar, that when you do a really challenging day, with the equines and then they don't want to participate the next day. Does that mean that the challenge was overly challenging and that, you know, you, maybe we shouldn't do quite so much, or is it just that a different rhythm? Cause I know if I do a lot of something that's really challenging, then I, I want to rest the next day. And it makes sense. It's, I just wondered how to know if the challenge was, too much and what to do with that information in setting up the next outing or, or the next training session? So it is a great question. And one of the ways I look at it is like, if I'm working with horse at Liberty and they can at any time say, I'm done, I want to go home or I want to go back, you know, I'm not doing this anymore and then the next day if they're burnt out i know it's just i don't think it's a bad thing i think it just is it's just you know as you say you use up your resources one day and the next day you need to recoup mm -hmm. if they didn't have the option and for instance we had two horses on lead ropes but I know for sure Ringo was totally down with going. So Elios was really the only one that was kind of questionable at times. And he was actually today the most, he didn't want to go up, but he didn't really have the brain to even roll the ball. He basically just wanted to stand, get pets and food, which mm -hmm. the girls that came out today were able to provide. But I just was a great reminder that we can't expect to do hard things two days in a row until those hard things aren't hard anymore. Just like when we exercise our body, you know, mm -hmm. we can't do a super hard workout and the next day expect to work at the same level until our body is able to deal with that level and it's no longer pushing our limits so 
I think that as long as we are willing to listen to them and recognize their needs and whenever possible, allow them to say, you know, I need to take a break, then I think that stress is not distress, Mm -hmm. but it's still stress. Mm -hmm. No, that's what I suspected. I experienced a couple of those with Callie, the not moving part, just standing and not offering behaviors or movement of any type. Back when we started this, it took her a long time to understand that she wasn't going to get punished for moving or offering a behavior. She was really shut down and it took quite a while for her to be confident enough that I wasn't going to fuss at her or she wasn't going to get in trouble for offering behaviors. But once the light bulb came on, then she was like, oh, I can move around and touch the target in all kinds of different places. So that was one. And the other one is the eating grass, like, you know, having a head up cue based on her living situations and our boarding situations. I haven't had a lot of opportunity to train at Liberty on grass. And so we don't have a strong reinforcement history of continuing to train while there's grass to eat. So even today, getting her back from the barn back to her paddock, she was like, how about if I eat? And I was like, how about if you don't? And I give you a treat instead. So that's one that we still struggle with. But Elios had a hard time not stopping to eat grass on our hike yesterday. And it was a bit of the same thing. You know, he's like, oh my God, I haven't seen grass in forever. And this might, I might never see it again. So you know, those, those things happen, but think about overall, how many things, like, as I went through the list, I mean, that was a very long list and, uh, how many things we have already dealt with successfully and how it's kind of like saying, this is how successful we've been is that we've managed to deal with all of these things. And as they've come up and gotten our animals to a much happier place where most of the time they are willing to believe us when we say that the grass will come again or bad things aren't going to happen now. So I think that even though we still have these challenges, sometimes it's beneficial to remember all the things we've accomplished so far. I hope you enjoyed part two of why isn't this working? Uh, Looking at common training challenges when working in positive reinforcement and clicker training. And part three coming up next is going to cover more of the human error side of things. So up to this point, we've been talking about things that the environment can cause problems and the horses, environmental challenges interfere with their thinking process. In the next part, we'll be taking a look at what we do sometimes as humans that cause our horses problems in their training. So I hope you'll join us. And in the meantime, check us out on the web at balancepointequestrian.com or Instagram at equestrian underscore zen or check us out on Facebook at the Balance Point Equestrian Learning Center. Uh, See you next time.